Hello again, and welcome back to another episode on prayer, as we're trying to be people of ever-increasing maturity and looking for God to shape us and inspire us. And today, as we continue our trek through Luke, we find ourselves only a few verses down the road from yesterday in Luke chapter 9. And in between yesterday's story, where Jesus uh, was rightly identified by Peter as the Messiah, uh, and today's episode... Jesus tells his followers that as the Messiah, he's going to need to suffer and die. And that's a big shock for a lot of them. And there's some interesting conversations. And now today we look at just the beginning of Luke's account of what is known as the transfiguration of Jesus or the Mount of Transfiguration. So let's go. Luke 9, 28 to 29. Now about eight days after these sayings, he took with him Peter and John and James, his sort of core group and... Um, group of four, sort of, his, his, his closest allies. And he went up on the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered, and his clothing became dazzling white. There's much more of the story, but we're going to cut it off there. And once again, and it feels like uh, such a common thread to say this, but once again, Luke is the only gospel writer who sets this story of the transfiguration clearly in the context of prayer. And Michael Eaton says that Luke did this to show that the transfiguration was a confirmation of a need for prayer. The ESV Study Bible speculates that maybe even Jesus was perhaps uh, praying here that his disciples would see his glory. Now what happens after this, and you can go and read the story for yourself, is that uh, Moses and Elijah show up, two great heroes of the Old Testament, and then God's glory covers the mountain in a cloud. Uh, the Father affirms the Son again uh, from a voice from heaven. And then he tells the disciples to listen to him. And then that's followed by a scene in all the Gospels uh, of a boy possessed with a demon. And what we see here is Jesus takes his, his three closest friends, his three closest disciples. And he, uh, these are the guys that he invests, invests the most in. And he goes up on a mountain to pray. And he's getting time to pray, obviously, but he's also getting time with them. And he's modeling prayer and solitude for them. It's a beautiful thing. Jesus is, is a great leader. And with regards to the transfiguration itself, uh, Leon Morris, a commentator who we've been checking out from time to time, he says this, uh, We may see it, the transfiguration, as a revelation of the glory of the other world. And perhaps this is meant as an encouragement to the disciples after the hard words about cross-bearing. That's what Jesus said to them. He said that he's going he's gonna to go to the cross, but they also need to take up their cross and follow him. And Morris carries on. He says, The combination of glory and the conversation about the death of Christ will also be a way of teaching the disciples that true glory and the cross are not incompatible. Now, beholding the glory of God is... Uh, you know, well, in some shape or form, because it, it can vary, um, means to experience the, the weightiness, the luminescence, the beauty, the holiness, the purity of God, these sorts of things. And in the scriptures, glory um, often manifests in cloud, smoke, and fire to God's people. Um, glory like, like, like this was first seen in Exodus. Uh, we see a cloud leading the people by day and a pillar of fire by night. And Moses' face radiates with the glory of God. And then we'll see that glory existed in worship around the tabernacle. Uh, glory is always linked to worship. Glory is, is linked to the temple. And Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment. Okay? The glory of God is housed in his body. And it's worth noting uh, this helpful reminder from Mark Driscoll. I really think it's helpful. He just says, we don't need to make God glorious. We need to acknowledge his glory. 
God is already glorious. Something we can do to make him more glorious. But man, we can appreciate, acknowledge, and uh, try and show and display the glory of God to the world around us. So what are some of the take-homes or, or calls to action for us from this passage today when we're thinking of prayer? Well, firstly, here's an obvious encouragement. Let's get away with people to pray, okay? Now, it's obviously hard in lockdown, but when that's done, let's take handfuls of people away together to intentionally pray. I told uh, a lot of you the other day a story, the good memories I have of, of doing uh, this with a friend once, seeking God's will for my life. And we've done it at other points as well. And it's, it's, it's just... It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a highlight, it's a high point when I look back on, on, on my life as a whole. But even now in lockdown, let's cultivate rhythms of, of gathering with others to pray. Just because we, we can't be physically in the same space doesn't mean we can't uh, come together to pray. So I want to say join our prayer meeting tonight and every other Thursday at, at 6.30 p.m. And join the, the prayer meetings before church on Sundays. Okay? We have to be intentional and gather to pray. And then let's do what Jesus did here. Let's model it for others. Uh, this, this is probably my big burden to encourage us all here. Okay, all of us, if we're Christ followers, are going to have younger or newer believers watching our lives. It's going to happen, whoever you are. And so much of the Christian life, let's also remember, is, is caught, not taught. Okay, people just catch what we've got, what we've got, what we're doing. And so let's be encouraged to follow Jesus here and model corporate prayer and intentional you know, prayer retreats to those around us. Okay, why don't we even be the people who are inviting others to join us at these gatherings? Instead of just being the recipients of invites, let's be the makers of invites. So that's the first big sort of take home. Um, let's gather together to pray and call us to do it as well. But the second and last take home for us, uh, I think, is this. When we pray, the glory of God can manifest. Okay, and it's examples like these from the Bible where uh, we get the phrase mountaintop experiences. And, you know, some people will warn us about mountaintop experiences as if they're evil and we mustn't uh, have them or, or pursue them. And I think far from avoiding them, we should rather receive them for what they are, the gift that they are, but just not expect to live there all the time in this life. Okay, they're meant to be fuel for us for the rest of life. And I'd love to close with um, N.T. Wright's commentary on this passage as he speaks to sort of this important point. He says this, all the gospel writers follow the story of the transfiguration with the story of a boy who is desperately ill, so sick that the disciples hadn't been able to cure him. They seem to be telling us that the two go together, the mountaintop experience and the shrieking, stubborn demon. Many people prefer to live their lives without either, to be people on the plateau, undramatic and unexciting. But God seems to call us to that kind of life. But for many, dramatic visions and spiritual experiences are balanced by huge demands. The more open we are to God and to the different dimensions of God's glory, the more we seem to be open to the pain of the world. We are right to be wary when we return from some great worship service, when we rise from a time of prayer in which God has seemed close and His love real and powerful. These things are never given for their own sake, but so that, as we are equipped by them, God can use us within his needy world. Father, thank you for this passage of scripture and your modeling of taking people away to pray and help us to be with you in prayer and help us to be like you and to do what you did by also um, gathering people to pray. Let us be initiators, God. Let us be the ones encouraging each other to pray. Help us to continually see the need 
and the value to gather together with brothers and sisters to seek your face to be transformed by encounters with you. God, we pray that the city of Cape Town can be radically altered because of the the God encounters your people will have with you in times of prayer together. God, let our lives be radically altered by your presence so that your kingdom would sort of burst out of us and touch the lives of those around us. God, we, we pray and we ask all of this in the name of your glorious Son, Jesus. Amen.